welcome to another episode of New Teacher Talk. We're here to support you. Our podcast channel is intentionally designed to support those who are new to teaching. We talk about the most common challenges that educators experience, and you will find a community of support through our podcast episodes on Instagram, New Teacher Talk, and Twitter, at New Teacher Talk One. We're your hosts. I'm Dr. Anna. My passion is supporting teachers as they establish and expand their practice to build a long and fulfilling career. I'm a board certified early childhood generalist. And I'm Dr. Beth, former high school band director and current career and teacher educator. A passion that's deeply important to me is the retention of new teachers. If you're listening to this podcast, either you are or will be a new teacher in the near future. Or maybe you're a new teacher mentor or induction coordinator. We all agree that becoming a successful teacher is challenging. Today, we have two well-respected educators as our guests to talk about differentiation, Dr. Sarah Curran and Vicki Phelps. Welcome, Sarah and Vicki. And to get started, we'd like to share with our listeners a little bit about yourself and your deep interest in the topic of differentiation. Would you start, Sarah? Hello, everyone. My name is Sarah Curran. I have been a classroom teacher for 22 years now. A 21 of those years, I've spent teaching fourth grade. And for one year, I was able to be a gifted TOSA, which is sort of like an instructional coach for students who have qualified for our gifted services in my district and supporting their teachers and best meeting their needs. I've worked with students who qualify for gifted services, English learners, students with 504 plans, and students who receive special education services. As far as my passion for this topic, I absolutely love to lesson plan, and I feel like we don't hear that very often, but I do. I just love it. And I love to design curricula that helps make lessons engaging and interesting for students to continue their growth. I think it's important to get to know and consider all of the learning needs of all the students in my classroom. And I think differentiation is an important key to reaching that goal. I feel that students really appreciate when their needs are met. I think it helps them to really feel seen in the classroom. Thank you so much, Sarah, for sharing that information about yourself. Vicki, would you talk a little bit about yourself and why you're so interested in differentiation? I am Vicki Phelps, and I am currently an assistant professor of education at Milligan University in Johnson City, Tennessee. But before moving into this position, I had been a classroom teacher and and classroom leader specializing in gifted education at both the elementary and secondary levels for over 20 years. Like Sarah, I have been right there in the classroom for multiple decades. This topic is really near and dear to my heart because while my specialization is in gifted education, differentiation is for all learners. I have a very strong belief, as Sarah also shared a moment ago, that every child deserves the right to learn something new every day, regardless of if they are a gifted student, a special education student with a learning disability, a multilingual lingual learner. Every student deserves to learn something new every day, and differentiation is the key. Vicki, how do you define differentiation? I would say differentiation is providing learning that gives every student access to engage in critical thinking that is relevant, 
purposeful, and valuable in their life. This means that we need to not only learn our students' readiness levels, but also their interests, their values, and what motivates them. The tricky part is that because students come to us with different life experiences, different strengths, and different areas for growth, there is not a one-size-fits-all approach to differentiation. This is why differentiation must include things such as flexible grouping, visuals for multilingual learners, and those ongoing formative assessments. I really appreciate the depth of your definition. I want to build upon that and ask Sarah to join us. What is your definition of differentiation? Differentiation is considering students' current learning needs, but also their social-emotional needs, their personal interests, and their personal preferences for learning by adapting the learning environment in beneficial ways to engage all students and move them forward. The motto I often say in class is, I want all of my students to feel challenged but not frustrated in class. I often share that with parents. And when I say that, it not only pertains to the content material that we're learning, but also to how they're feeling within the learning environment. Thank you, Sarah. I'm going to have you go ahead and tell us a little bit about how your use of differentiated instruction improves student learning in your classroom. So I think there's a lot to consider when we're thinking about differentiated instruction. It's such a wide term that really encompasses so many things. I think it's good to consider learning preferences such as group work versus individual work or digital resources versus print resources or student interests. Use those that I guess your knowledge of your students and their learning preferences to make students feel comfortable and really focused to learn. I also think you need to consider their instructional learning needs. So thinking about about whether your students are visual learners, auditory learners, kinesthetic learners, social learners, and most likely you have a mix of all of those, keeping that at the forefront when you're planning instruction and trying to incorporate as many of those as you can to really enhance the learning experiences for all of your students and improve their retention. Something else to consider within that is accommodating for the social emotional needs of your students, things like allowing either certain students who have shown a need or all of your students to use a break pass if they need to have movement breaks within the classroom. In my classroom, we have an established calming area that students can use when they feel like they need it. Incentive charts for specific students who may need a little bit extra beyond what is happening in the classroom for everyone else. And I like to use that just to foster students' readiness to learn. It's just so important to make sure if their social and emotional needs aren't being met, then the learning isn't going to happen either. As we've already mentioned, really emphasizing growth for all students. I think that needs to be the most important aspect that we're looking at when we're thinking of differentiation, because everyone deserves to move forward in their learning using techniques like scaffolding, looking for ways that you can incorporate IEP accommodations into your lessons for students who require it, but also others who might benefit from some of that, including enrichment and extension opportunities for your students who may have already mastered the material that you're covering. I find that that really improves engagement, students' motivation to learn, and it also can reduce behavior issues. If students are bored or if they're feeling extremely frustrated, they're much more likely to have a strong social-emotional response that either inhibits their learning or can also inhibit the learning of others. So pulling in that differentiation really helps to make sure that all of our students are feeling appreciated, valued, and that their learning is important in our classroom. 
Thanks so much, Sarah. And one thing that you said struck me as being so profound that you considered those 504 accommodations, not offering them just for the students who have them in their IEPs or 504 plan, but to offer them for all students who might be able to benefit from those kinds of accommodations. That's so helpful. Vicki, would you share a little bit about how you use differentiated instruction in your classroom to improve student learning? I wish you could see me as Sarah was talking. I was here nodding up and down with full agreement. We have a lot of parallels in how we approach this. I would say that when students receive appropriately differentiated tasks, this new learning becomes attainable. And so this is a really big piece because within my instruction, it's really important that my students see the purpose behind their learning and value the learning that's going on. So when they are able to see that these tasks are attainable and when they begin to recognize the purpose behind them, it allows them to begin to construct this new learning and this value grows because they see that it is provided for them at the right level of challenge, which in turn leads to higher motivation and engagement. And we know that when students are actively engaged, that higher achievement is the result. In addition to using all of those things that Sarah had talked about as well, it does continue to improve a student's self-esteem, self-efficacy, and those social-emotional wellness skills and attributes that we really want for our students. I think in terms of thinking about how we can differentiate within the classroom, which I know we'll be talking about a little bit more as we move forward, I kind of think of differentiation metaphorically as a ladder. First, if we are able to make learning attainable and provide that access to students based on their interests and readiness levels and backgrounds, then they're going to see that purpose of this ladder that is in front of them. And that purpose is it going to help them reach higher degrees in their learning, be able to move forward and grow as an individual. And once they recognize that each rung on the ladder is something that is attainable and that moves them forward one step at a time, they're able to see that success and really begin to realize that climbing that ladder is going to help them in their future endeavors. I'd like to quickly follow up on that with either of you that would like to respond. You both talk about setting forth attainable goals for your students. Do you think that it's really important for a teacher to make sure that students understand their intention of being one who would support them in their learning from wherever they are? For me, it seems that when the intention to differentiate is clear to the students, they are trusting more in you in terms that you'll provide them with the right opportunities. I would absolutely agree with that. Relationships are the foundation of truly engaging our students, providing that environment where they are ready to take risks. As Sarah talked about earlier, we want our students to learn how to work through the little bit of frustration. We don't want so much frustration that they're going to shut down, but we don't want them to automatically already know all the answers and not learn how to build those psychosocial skills to persevere and to continue to work through things. I believe having that trusting environment, having those relationships continues to provide that safe space for students to take those risks in their learning. 
I would agree with that as well, especially what you were just saying about productive struggle, right? We want our students to have that little bit of challenge that pushing them a little bit out of their comfort zone so that they keep moving forward, but not so much. Then we're setting those unattainable goals, as you were mentioning. I also kind of giggled when you mentioned about differentiating for the students and that they know that you're doing that because a lot of times in my class, my students have no idea that I'm differentiating for them. We just work it in naturally into what we're doing. There could be students with two different worksheets that they're completing that they're thinking about and they don't even realize that they're different or I may be giving them books at different readability levels and they just think that everybody picked the books that they were interested in. The goal for me is that the students, as you said, feel trusted and valued and appreciated when they just feel like learning is fun. They're all being challenged. They're all enjoying what it is that we're doing in class. And they may or may not even know that I'm differentiating the instruction for them at that time. And that always makes me feel good because I want everyone just to think, hey, I'm being successful with this. And yet I'm learning and enjoying what I'm doing. I really like the fact that differentiation puts the student at the center. We've been talking about the students and the purpose of differentiation. Let's talk about the teachers. They play such a critical role. Sarah, what have you found to be the biggest misunderstandings about differentiation? For certain, the biggest one is the amount of work and time it requires. Often teachers hear the word differentiation and they just shudder because they're just imagining creating an entirely new lesson that includes all these techniques for differentiating, or they're feeling that every child or every group that they're working with needs an entirely different lesson. For the most part, that's not necessarily the case. A typical lesson that you might be doing can just be tweaked to consider using some sort of differentiation within it. For example, if you're researching or doing something for writing, simply allowing students choice in the topic that they are researching or writing about really allows for differentiation of interest without really any additional work by the teacher or um, allowing students to show what they know by using authentic products where they can use their strengths, their greatest intelligences, if we're thinking about Howard Gardner, to display their learning. So things like mini graphic novels or making a detailed map or a detailed drawing, writing an explanation, creating a mobile, making a Venn diagram, you know, giving those different options where you could use the same rubric to score it for everyone, no matter what it is that they select and choose to show what they know, but it really differentiates for the students' learning preferences and maybe some of their different needs for an assessment. Another thing that I do often is use different levels of text. News ELA, some people say Newzella, is a great resource, especially if you're looking for nonfiction text, but they do have fiction text as well, where your whole class can be reading the same article, but it has been rewritten four to five times usually at different Lexile levels. So your whole class can be discussing the same reading, but everyone can be reading at an appropriate level that's challenging for them. Or if I'm doing a novel study, I very rarely do the same novel with everyone. I will give them different books that they've chosen based on interest, but also match their reading levels. And the whole class may be doing the same activities, but all doing it with different books that provide them with the right amount of challenge. 
I like to use, this is a little maybe more advanced, but I like to use content practice at different levels, sometimes called tiered activities, where you might give students some choices or you might assign specific students specific levels of activities where for math practice, they could use like an on-grade level sheet or a slightly above grade level sheet if that's what your class is showing that they need or doing a reading skill where we might all be working on, for example, cause and effect, but I might post on the screen, here's a level one choice, a level two choice, and a level three choice. That sounds like a lot of work, but really there's very small tweaks between the level one, level two, and level three that just kind of ups the difficulty level just a little bit for students who might need that. Or maybe level one provides some sentence stems for students who need that level of support while other students could complete the task without that. Or maybe level three has a higher level application of what we're doing, but the wording of all three are almost exactly the same. So as far as the teacher goes, there's not a lot of additional planning that goes into doing something like that. And things just as simple as choosing to work alone or working with a partner or working in a small group. Sometimes it can be the student's choice. Sometimes the teacher can choose that based on what the students need or giving choice in whether they want to type a response or handwrite a response can be really helpful. So that's the biggest one that I noticed. The only other one that I hear sometimes that I just wanted to mention that teachers find challenging about differentiation is that sometimes they'll express to me that they're hesitant to maybe have students in the class do different things because they're worried that one student's going to want to do what the other group is doing, or they're going to feel a little envious of an activity. And my answer to that is, we'll just make sure that what both groups are doing is fun and engaging. You know, you don't want to have one group having to do the skill drill worksheet while the other group's playing a game. That's not fun. So <laughs> can we have both groups playing games? And you don't have to always do it on the same day, but as long as they're seeing that fairness and that we're doing something engaging, no matter what level the students are at, I don't typically have that issue once you actually implement it, as long as you're thinking about that and considering it as you're planning for different flexible groups or different needs in the classroom, as long as everyone has about the same amount of work. So someone doesn't feel like, oh, well, I'm just getting more work to do. And that you feel like everybody's getting to do something that's interesting and engaging and that they actually want to do, then usually that's not an issue either. That example gives our listeners ideas about how to make differentiation very doable. Vicki, what have you found to be the biggest misunderstandings about differentiation? Probably the first thing that comes to mind is differentiation does not mean more work for students or even necessarily for teachers. It just means different. As teachers are planning differentiated learning tasks, it doesn't mean that all students do the same activity, everybody the first round through, and then if they finish early, they get more work afterwards. That kind of becomes a bit of a punishment to many students who will then be like, well, why do I want to keep working through this first one if I'm just going to to have more work after. I think the first thing is just recognizing that differentiated work for students does not mean more work. It just means different work. I would also say that, and this is kind of building off of what Sarah had shared as well, that when we think about differentiation, three terms are pretty common in a teacher's minds that we can differentiate through content, process, and product. But we need to go a little bit more deeper than that. We need to really make sure that we are addressing the readiness levels within each of those. News ELA, I'm one of the people that also calls it Newzella because it's just fun to say Newzella. It is truly a great resource where you can pull up current events or articles on a specific subject that you might be learning about. 
and differentiate those based on Lexile levels so that students are all sharing in the same conversation, but they were able to take in that information at their readiness level. So that's where we might be talking about a Socratic seminar that every student can participate in, but it's been addressed through the readiness levels through the news ELA component. Even when we're talking about Venn diagrams, we can have a double Venn diagram, a triple Venn diagram, and a quadruple Venn diagram that doesn't require any more work on the part of the teacher and planning. It is truly just having those students work through different levels of complexity to demonstrate their understanding. And as uh, Sarah had talked about tiered learning as well, I like to call it invisible tiering because it truly is remarkable. Students, when done well, students really, they're so engaged in their learning, they're not looking around to see who is on this task or who is on that task. It truly becomes just, I am on my task through this invisible tiering that you can do within the classroom. And with Easter around the corner, if you happen to be listening to this at the, the current time that it's being put out, if you buy Easter eggs, you can put differentiated questions, math problems, responses to a, a text you are reading, and have one level as yellow, one level as green, one level as pink, and you just randomly tell the students, this group, you're responsible for finding the pink eggs. This group's responsible for finding the yellow. This one's responsible for finding the green. And students are so excited to go on an Easter egg hunt and find these questions to answer them. They aren't even recognizing that there's different readiness level questions within each one of them. I also just want to add in real quick, another misunderstanding is kind of revolving around Bloom's taxonomy. I've seen quite a bit where people believe that the lower level of Bloom's is where our struggling learners need to be, and the higher level of Bloom's are reserved for our more high-achieving students. All students deserve to be working at the high level of Bloom's. All students should be analyzing and evaluating and creating new understandings and new thinking. We just need to make sure that that readiness level is appropriate, whether it be through the new ELA reading and that we're still bringing those students up to have those higher order thinking skills. Those would probably be the biggest things, not more work, but different work. And then also making sure that we have the scaffolds in place and the invisible tiering in place so that all students are having the opportunity to engage in higher order thinking. I certainly appreciate that, Vicki. I like the way that you talk about this, calling it that level of readiness. I always think about it as an access point, that an activity can be accessible to everyone based on whether you've designed those points of entry for each student, keeping their learning level and social emotional skills in mind. We're going to move on to another question. How can a teacher maximize their role during whole class instruction, small group instruction, and independent or group work time? Sarah? So I was kind of thinking about this question as being kind of a get more bang for your buck type of activity. We have so little time, it feels like, in the classroom to get through our pacing guides and get all the content taught. So I was kind of thinking of what are the most important pieces to do in all those different formats. Often teachers like to start with the whole class instruction, and I think that's often a great way to begin. It's a way that you can ensure proper background knowledge for all of your students. 
I would encourage using visuals, videos, discussions, anything like that that's really engaging as many students as possible to really assist with student understanding and make sure everyone's ready for the material that you're about to cover. Then give a short lesson focused on whatever the grade level content is or whatever level the majority of your students are at. Then break off into centers or different tasks or small group teacher-led instruction to provide opportunities at a higher level for the students who need that or for students who need additional practice and repetition. And all of that can occur simultaneously so that the teacher doesn't have to be with every group all the time. They can be engaged in different tasks for where they are at and where they need to be. Another strategy that I like to use is in whole class and small group direct instruction using the questions of why and how do you know all the time, you know, no matter what the students say, no matter what the subject is, you know, coming back with that to really deepen their understanding. And also as the teacher, it really provides insight so that I know where their misunderstandings or misconceptions that maybe I need to review with a certain number of students or possibly even with the entire class. For small group and individual work, I like to choose maybe one skill that everyone can work on and differentiate the levels of the activities that different students are participating in as they're working and practicing with what we're working on in class. I like to provide student choice or teacher assigned levels for those tasks that they're doing. Sometimes I just let the students choose. It's amazing how often students rise to the occasion and really just wow me with their thinking. And as Vicki pointed out with the critical and creative thinking, everyone needs to be exposed to that. And they really, students are just always blowing me away with their amazing thinking skills when they're working on content and we're providing those opportunities for them. Or you can have students who are working on different skills in the same way. So again, with that planning piece, it doesn't take as much time. So for example, maybe each group of students has been assigned a different reading skill that they're working on, but maybe they can use their own choice books that they're reading and just write on a post-it for the skill that they're working on. So it doesn't have to be something that the teacher is planning out in advance. You can give one set of directions and say, everyone's working on the skill we just did, get a post-it note, read your book, and jot down some notes about that skill with your specific book. Those really provide opportunities for maximizing our time in the classroom and really making sure that we have as many students engaged at a time and can differentiate as many things as possible at a time, too, to stay on the pacing that's often required of us in schools. Absolutely. And I appreciated what you said, Sarah, about having students be able to write things down on a post-it note. And then as the teacher, you can be responsive to each of your students based on the answers they give you. So it's not so much that you're pre-planning so many things, but you are responding to their particular needs at the time. Vicki, would you share with us how you envision a teacher maximizing their role during those different types of instruction, whole class, small group, and independent or group work time? I would reiterate everything that Sarah shared as well. I truly believe this is kind of the joy of differentiation is how we are maximizing our role as teachers with our students. I think probably the greatest piece of advice I could give anybody on how to maximize our role as a teacher is to take the time to pre-assess and consider the needs of the class. 
this truly is the first step to knowing where do we put our efforts and differentiation? How are we going to meet the needs of our students? For instance, if there's a case where a significant portion of the class shows that they've demonstrated mastery of a particular standard or a learning objective, it might mean that we're not going to have a whole class instruction with everybody in the beginning because they might already have most of that down. You might have a few that need some extra support with it. So in this case, it might work out to do more of a station rotation of groups of students. You might have an independent workstation, you might have a group workstation, and then you might be at the teacher workstation where when students come to you, you are able to differentiate and have that interactive questioning and working with them based on their readiness levels. I believe that this pre-assessment really streamlines class instruction. It saves time. There are students that when their needs aren't being met, they might be acting out. When we are able to make sure that we're meeting students where they are and giving them that access to learning, all of a sudden, a lot of those behavior problems go away because students are engaged. Another way you might be able, during small group instruction, if you are working with a particular a reading skill or writing skill or math small group instruction, making sure that students are very clear on the expectations in the classroom for what it means to be working on their tiered learning activities that they will be working on independently while you are working with small group. A lot of this maximizing role comes down to having clear structures in place and expectations and routines that are very clear to the students. And then when you couple that with students being able to engage in learning that is challenging and engaging and, and they see the purpose behind it, all of a sudden everything begins to be a well-oiled machine within the classroom. This is such helpful information about how to differentiate. We want you, our listeners, to be able to think about how these ideas could be applied to your classrooms. So we're going to take a break here and return with our guests, Sarah Curran and Vicki Phelps, for a second episode where they'll share more strategies and techniques to differentiate. As a podcast listener, we hope that you will subscribe or follow this podcast channel. You can also email us at thenewteachersguide at gmail.com to comment on this episode and or to share ideas for future podcast topics. Finally, follow us on Twitter and direct message us at newteachertalk1. The same is true for Instagram. You can find us at newteachertalk. And remember, as a new teacher, we are here to help you. 